Welcome to Faith Church. We're really glad you are with us today. We are beginning a brand new collection of sermons entitled Hope for Your Home. Just by a quick nod, how many of you say you're ready for a little hope in your home? I know many of you watching online feel the same way. Our main teaching text today and throughout this series is really found in Galatians chapter 5. So if you've got a copy of scripture, join me. Galatians chapter 5. Now I'm going to Normally, I, I do a lot of preaching. That's kind of my, my jam and my style. Today, you're going to get a little bit of a mixture. You're going to get some preaching, and you're going to get a little teaching and understanding of something. So here's what I need from you and how you can participate and engage today, whether in the room or, or online. Uh, while I'm preaching, you can just give some good amens, right? That's good. Uh, and, and while I'm teaching, you want to make sure you take some good notes, right? You're going to want to jot some things down, lots of scripture, uh, that I'm going to be sharing, giving us some understanding, kind of feeding our faith, but there'll also be some key things that I think God's going to say maybe to you personally that you're going to want to jot down, remember, and go back to. Now today, I, I've got to admit, I've probably got like five messages in one sermon for you, uh, which means I'm going to talk fast, um, and you're not going to hear everything the first time. So you're going to want to go back and rewatch and re-listen to this message a couple times, maybe over the next uh, days, weeks, and uh, to allow God to get into your heart all that you need to hear today. I think there's some things that God is going to speak to us. So let's get into the word. Are we ready to go? Galatians 5, here we go. Starting in verse 22, it says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, I got a question for us as, as I'm reading through this. How many of you uh, just kind of in your own heart answer this? We don't even need to answer out loud uh, because you might answer differently than your spouse, and that could be awkward for all of us. Uh, so, so just answer it kind of internally. How many of you would say that uh, the, the reading that we just had, it describes perfectly the scenario in your home right now? Like to a T, 100% of the time, it's always loving, always self-controlled, uh, you're always patient, uh, you've never been envious, you're not conceited, and you never provoke one another ever in your, in your home. I think if we're honest, uh, and if I'm honest and I want to be, that doesn't always describe my home and it probably doesn't always describe your home. But I believe that God wants us to get these characteristics evidenced, lived out, on display in our lives, especially in our homes. Today I want to bring a message, uh, the first one in this collection, Hope for Your Home, entitled Keep Stepping. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep stepping. Say, keep stepping. Leave the G off. Keep stepping. In the chat room, go ahead and put keep stepping. Stepping, keep stepping. We're going to keep stepping. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about this today. Here's the deal. Hope for your home starts when you keep and step with the Holy Spirit. Hope for your home begins, the starting block 
is when you keep stepping in with the Holy Spirit. Now, I can already feel the tension kind of rolling inside of you and online. Some of you probably already kind of rolled your eyes like, well, I don't, I don't think I can live up to this. This sounds way too perfect. It's, uh, I don't live in the Instagram perfect world. It's, it's, it's already, my context is already different. I don't, we don't have a nuclear family of a husband and wife and kids. Uh, I didn't come from a nuclear family. Uh, uh, my background is completely different. I, I didn't live in a loving home. I kind of grew up in a really broken environment. I, maybe I didn't have a home at all. I was kind of uh, adopted or fostered and kind of bounced around. I, I, I've kind of, uh, I had a, a family, but kind of maybe had to experience divorce and you're kind of living in a different scenario. And there is this tension inside of you that says, this, this is unachievable for me. And this tension will surface in your heart and in your mind today and throughout this series. And I just want to acknowledge it. That there is a tension between what we talk about and what we read in God's word as ideal and where many of us would say this is our real. There is a tension between the real of our life and the ideal of what God has said in his word. And there is a tension where we're not experiencing maybe all of the ideal that God has for us in our lives. We're not always loving, always patient, always kind. We, we may not have a nuclear family. We may have come from a broken family or maybe our home context is a little bit different right now. The reality of where we are now doesn't really line up with the ideal of what we hear and what we see and maybe even what we're going to be talking about over the next, next three or four weeks. Just acknowledge that there is that tension. It is real. And we need to wade into it, lean into that, not away from it. Because I believe the starting point for your life, the starting point of getting to God's ideal is acknowledging the real where you're at right now. You can't navigate somewhere if you don't know where you're at right now. And being honest and, and, and forthright and being, being able to acknowledge what's going on in your own heart and maybe the reality of the circumstances where you're in, it's, it's different. We're all starting at a different context. Some of you are in a, in a space where, man, you are you, you, husband, wife, kids, and you are deep into the life of raising children. And that is the context of your home. Some of you are in a place where you are single. That is the context of your home. Maybe you have roommates. Maybe you're living by yourself, but you are on your own. That is what you would call your home. That's the context. Maybe for you, the context of your home is uh, you, you're, you found yourself single again, and you've got kids, and you're trying to figure out co-parenting with another adult who, who doesn't live in your home and who doesn't maybe even share the same values that you share, and you're kind of, kid, one weekend they're here, the next weekend they're here, and the tension of the reality of that, we are all just at different places, and God always wants to meet us in those moments, in those places. Some of you are at a place where you're like, yeah, we're empty nesters. Some of you are, are in a season of life where you thought you raised eagles that were flying and they ended up being homing pigeons and they came back and they're back in your home and you're like, what is happening right now? Like, this is not supposed to be like this. Whatever your context is, whatever you would call your home, I believe there is hope. They're the starting point of realizing what is real in my context of home, 
That is the starting point that God wants to move us towards his ideal, which is the hope and the vision and the plans and the calling and the hope that he has for your home. We all might be starting at a different place and we're all moving towards what God has for our lives. It's the starting point. Now, in verse 25 of Galatians 5, he says to keep in step with the spirit. If if you want to have this ideal, like if you want to have a hope in your home where there's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and, and self-control, if, if you're not going to be provoking one another towards wrath and envying each other and walking in arrogance. If, if that picture of hope, of ideal is going to be yours, the way it starts is by keeping in step with the Spirit. Now in the original language, in the Greek language, when what is translated in English, that phrase keep... Uh, in step with the spirit or walking in the spirit that here's what that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that that the spirit is a drill sergeant saying left right left right left right don't mess up keep going keep going don't turn keep like we don't have that that's not what it's talking about that would be super annoying and that's not what God's plan is In the original language, what it's giving us the picture, the word picture that phrase is giving us is that there is a path that someone else has already cleared out. Walk that path. It's similar to um, Walmart's parking lot where they have arrows telling you which direction to drive. And some of you are here today and you need to repent (laughs) because you do not drive the proper way in that parking lot, or as they've upgraded and helped us even more so in their store, laid down the path to which direction you need to walk and which direction you ought not be walking in that said aisle. As you apologize and don't mean it to the people that you pass by, excuse me, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't see that. You are a liar. You saw the arrow and you said, I'm walking a different way anyways. This is the shortest distance. I'm going here, right? Just like there is a path laid out that you can walk in, that's what he's saying in Galatians 5.25. If you want to keep in step, if you want to keep in step with the Spirit, just keep stepping down the path that he's outlined for you. He doesn't say only if you're this scenario in your life, only if you have this socioeconomic background, only if you came from this family heritage, only if you don't struggle in this way, then you can keep walking. No, no. If you are breathing today, there is a path the Spirit has laid out for you that will lead you from the real to his ideal hope for your home. And that's what we want to explore. Over the next three weeks, this week making four, we want to explore how do we keep stepping with the Spirit because that's the starting block for us getting to a place of freedom. Now, uh, here's the big idea today. Because I I want you to settle this in your heart, and I want you to hear me really, really, really clear. Because some of your reality is you didn't come from a healthy home. You didn't come from a background where you had that nuclear family of a husband and a wife living, serving God. You didn't have that picture in your family. You had a different pattern, a different picture, a, a different family system that you grew up in. And I want you to hear me really clear that just because you didn't come from a healthy family doesn't mean a healthy family can't come from you. 
Just because you didn't come from a healthy family doesn't mean a healthy family can't come from you. And this is really at the crux of what the beginning of Galatians is trying to say to us. In fact, if you go to the very beginning of Galatians chapter 5, this is the very first verse in this section. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In other words, freedom is for you. Somebody, you need to turn to your neighbor and, and remind them, hey, freedom is for you. Go ahead, put it in the chat, tell somebody, tag their name and say, freedom is for, is for you. Freedom is for you. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, let me teach you just for a minute. I'm going to give you lots of scripture, and I hope you'll write it down and, and grab some of these things. And, and this is a message today. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant today. It's going to be really hard to catch everything that I'm spitting out, but I want you to go back and re-listen to this, re-watch it again on the Central Hub or on YouTube. Go, you're going to need to listen and watch this one a couple times to really get the fullness and to catch what I believe God is trying to say to our hearts because I want us to know freedom is for you. Now, now when we say freedom is for you and that Christ set us free, uh, we're, we're using this phrase freedom and often in scripture and in christendom we use this phrase freedom and salvation really interchangeably a lot of times and in fact uh, we use the phrase salvation to, to talk about lots of different theological truths in scripture and in, and in christendom see when we say salvation we know that one day there's an eternal salvation when heaven invades earth and the new heaven and new earth begin and where we spend eternity with jesus and there is a salvation that is eternal but there's also a salvation that is like instant in a moment where your heart is regenerated theological word where you become adopted another theological concept uh, where you become justified and set apart and chosen by God that there is this moment of salvation where where it happens where 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 you were dead to sin and now you are alive because of the spirit that's inside of you it's it's the second Corinthians 5 17 that says um, if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation that's that salvation there's something new that you've been rescued set free from there's something new and alive in you that wasn't there before but now it is there it's it's the john 3 uh, where jesus says you must be born of the spirit or you must be born again to ever see eternal life in god there's this new birth this new thing this this again saved thing and ephesians tells us it's all by grace that you get saved through faith, not of works of your own righteousness. It is a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. It is for freedom that Christ set you free. It was a salvation experience that you had. Colossians says it like this. Colossians 2, starting in verse 12, it says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him in through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your own flesh God made you alive together with him you were dead inside and he made you alive salvation 
It's for freedom that you've been set free. You were a slave to sin and the way that led to death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It is a new, something came alive on the inside of you the moment you surrendered and repented and began following him. It's the salvation. He goes on to say that God made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling, don't miss this, canceling the record of debt that stood against you and me. With its legal demands, the legal demands, death forever separated from God. That's what the law legally required. And he says, it's been canceled. It's been canceled. It's gone. It's gone. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Like you don't have an option to pick it back up. Like it's been nailed to the cross, thrown in a sea of forgetfulness, set free. That's why Romans 8 says, there, uh, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. No one can stand before you wagging the finger and condemning you for sins that you once committed because you are not that same person anymore. You've been redeemed. You've been set free. You've been saved. He is beginning a work that sanctifies you by the word and the spirit. You are new on the inside. You're new on the inside. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. In other words, what used to be the rules that you governed your life by, sin, doing whatever you want, whenever you wanted, hurting people that didn't matter, you lived for your own self as your own God, your own operating system was one way, but God says, I've redeemed you, set you free, and given you a new operating system, a new law, a new line of code has been written into the computer of your life. You were an Android, now you're with Apple. Praise the Lord. You got an upgrade. You, you've been set free. It's, it's like this. Let me illustrate it like this. This, is, this pen represents your life and my life. When you were born in this world, you were born into a life of sin. You were born moving in the direction of death, pointing the wrong direction. And every once in a while, you could, in your own will, move towards God and good deeds, and you helped the old lady across the street, and you gave to a charitable organization, and, and you said kind things to people, even though they were mean to you. You did some good things, but in the end, you go right back pointing to the life that you once were in the direction you were once going. You were dead to God, dead inside. You were dead in sin. It was like a, a skeleton bones inside of you full of death. There was no life. You didn't have the life of God in you. You were pointing the wrong direction. But then you, you recognized your ways. 
And you, you came to the Lord and said, Lord, I need you to redeem me. I need you to save me. I, I can't do this alone. I can't make it on my own. You repented, you relented, and you surrendered. And you know what happened? Like, God comes in, and he, he like, says, oh, yeah, you were this way. You were a black pen, ink. I'm going to give you some blue ink, right? He takes it all out, and, and, he, and he picks it up, and he puts a whole new thing and a new heart and a new spirit he put inside of you, and he made you new, and, and you were buried in your sin and resurrected towards new life. And now you are moving in the direction of God and holiness and righteousness. You are moving in his direction. And every once in a while, you feel the pull to do the wrong thing. You lie. You cheat. You look on lustfully in the wrong ways. You, you get over, uh, overly intoxicated. And you just are doing the wrong things. And you're angry. And you cuss somebody out. And you, you cheat on your taxes. And you do those things. But, but then you repent. And all of a sudden, things are, are pointing in the right direction. By default, you move in the direction of God now. And while there is a pull to still sin, you are still right, justified, moving in the right direction. You haven't arrived at the place of God yet, fully saved in heaven, but you're pointing in the right direction. You've been made new on the inside. You've been saved, and it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The law caused us to live in one direction, the law of sin and death. That's what you operated by. That was the code that you lived in. The speed limit was the speed limit. That was the law. But now you're living under a new law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the law that you live under. That's the daily routines. That's the code that you, you follow under. See, see, in the moment you were saved, God flipped you around and you were saved. Your spirit was saved from the penalty of sin. We are now in a place as followers of Jesus where our souls are being saved from the pull of sin. The pull of sin is there, but this sanctification that God is doing, we're becoming more like him. The more we walk the path that God has for us, the path that's laid out for us, walking in step with this, the more we do that, that pull gets easier to resist. You might be tempted in one way, you're like, no, no, I ain't doing that. That's not who I am anymore. That's the old me, not the new me. Right? The old me would have cut that person off in traffic and flipped them off. The new me just waved and said, bless them, Jesus. Right? Like the old me would have absolutely cursed out my kid's teacher for that. And the new me is going to do better next time because like sometimes the old me still shows up and I got to, you know, repent and move on. But you're moving in the right direction. You're moving in the right direction. And one day, see our spirit's have been saved from the penalty of sin. Our souls are being saved from the pull of sin, and one day your physical bodies will be saved from the very presence of sin in this world. It's a salvation process, and it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so the path of keeping in step with the Spirit, don't miss this, we do not work for our freedom. We work and we live from a place already been set free. You're not going the wrong direction trying to work for your freedom. No, no. He already set you free. So live and keep stepping in that freedom. Tell somebody next to you, keep stepping in your freedom. Keep stepping in your freedom. Keep stepping in your freedom. This is why Galatians 5 verse 1 goes on to say this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. <coughs> Excuse me. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
a yoke of slavery. Here's, if we're going to keep stepping in the spirit, if we're going to keep stepping the path that God has laid out for you, number one, you need to remove the yokes in your life. I need to remove the yokes in my life. You're like, uh, are we like chicken and egg in this sermon from here on out, Pastor? What do you mean by yoking? Here's what I mean. A yoke was like a harness that they placed on an ox to burden them or to link them with something. They didn't choose the yoke. It was placed on them. Don't miss this. Some of us have harnessed and are linked to something or someone else that we didn't put on and Jesus didn't put it on us either. Some of us in our lives, in our freedom, if we're going to find hope in our homes, we need to realize that we are yoked to some perspectives about God simply because of the family upbringing that we had. Simply because of the, the authority figures in our life has yoked us to a perspective of who God is that is untrue. Let me give you some, some examples here. Uh, let's say that uh, maybe you had a legalistic and a harsh disciplinarian parents. You might have a misconception about God that says God is mad at you. He's an authoritarian. He is impersonal and he's demanding. Yoked to the wrong perspective. Maybe uh, uh, you had a per, uh, perfectionistic, extremely high goals, little praise of affirmation from the authorities in your life growing up. You might have a perspective of God that says that God is never satisfied. He's always disappointed in me and he's upset with me. It's the wrong perspective. You're yoked to the wrong picture of God. Maybe it was uh, you had little affection in your home and you feel like God is impersonal and indifferent and unloving to you. He's distant. Maybe you grow up in a critically, verbally abusive home and you think that God is angry with you, that he puts up with people that he doesn't really like at all. He just puts up with you. It's the wrong picture of God. It's the wrong, you're yoked to, you are linked to the wrong understanding of God. Maybe you had a workaholic parent. Their focus was away from their children and always outside of the home. And you begin to believe that God is detached and he's uncaring, that it's difficult for, uh, to get God's attention, and that you really aren't that important to God anyways. It's the wrong picture. Maybe it was an abusive, dominating, physical experience with your parents in your upbringing. And you're sitting there believing that God's rules by his fear, that even though I may not have to obey him, or I may, even, even though I may have to obey him, I don't have to really trust him. It's the wrong picture. Uh, maybe you grew up in a sinful, immoral, low standard of discipline and behavior in your home, and you begin to believe that God doesn't mean what he says. God is extremely gracious and lenient, and he is permissive. He's a pushover. And there's no need to really fear God. You have the wrong picture of God. You, have an you are yoked and linked to the wrong understanding of God simply because of the upbringing that you had. And you are, linked, you are yoked. And God says, don't be yoked to that anymore. I set you free. Remove the yoke. Remove the yoke. Let me give you a few more. Maybe you had a smothering, doting, spoiling uh, parent or authority figure in your life and, and you just simply believe that now God is there to, and he exists for your pleasure and your enjoyment alone. He's a vending machine that gives you what you want when you want it. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a home where there were favoritism 
amongst children, and you were always compared with another sibling. And you're growing up with a, you grew up with a perspective and formed this idea that, that God has favorites, that he loves good people, quote-unquote, more than sinners. And he loves us based on our performances. These are wrong pictures of God that get yoked and linked to us in our hearts. And you need to remove those yokes. You need to remove those yokes. Allow Jesus to lift that off of you today. It starts by recognizing it and asking God to give you the truth. But that's not the only kind. We, we have wrong pictures that have yoked us and leaned us in the wrong direction. Another one that we have is iniquities or transgressions from our family history, from the family system that we grew up in, the pattern of living. The Bible would refer to this as generational sins or generational curses. You didn't commit the sin. They committed the sin, but it's been yoked to you and linked to who you are. Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7 says it like this. And he passed in front of Moses, being God, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Here's the, here's the right picture of God. Don't miss this. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. He forgives it all. Yet he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. God originally designed the family, husband, wife, and kids, to be a conduit that passes on the blessing of God from one generation to the next. The family would then represent God and reflect his light and love generationally. After the fall of man, the enemy distorted this family pattern and it became a conduit that passed on the curse of sin from one generation to the next. The family began to transmit the enemy's lies and dysfunction. Repeated life patterns can be the result of generational curses. Generational curses or generational iniquities can be defined as an unholy spiritual influence an open door tendency in a family's lineage or an acceptance of something that controls the behavior of many in the family as, quote, unquote, that's just normal for us. It's just normal for us. My family's alcoholics. We've always been alcoholics. It's just, it's just normal for us. I just live in a, we, we're not a loving family. We don't show love to one another. That's not how our family does it. We don't forgive. We just, we just hold it silently and we bury it. We're barriers. We bury everything inside. We don't ever talk about it. It's just how our family is. It's a pattern. A yoke of bondage and slavery that's been linked to you. And Jesus says, I came to set you free. I set you free. Why are you still yoked to that? You don't have to be linked and yoked to those family patterns. Generational iniquity is an attitude or behavior that causes us to be predisposed to certain weaknesses and sins. The Hebrew word for iniquity in this passage in Exodus that we just read is the Hebrew word avon, which describes the crooked and perverse attitude 
that carries on from father and mother to their children. Just like a heavy wind can cause a tree to bend a certain direction, a generational curse or a generational iniquity causes people to bend towards certain sinful behaviors. You have a bent. You were born with a bent towards certain things because you were born into the family that you were born in. We all have generational iniquities that affect us. I've had them in my life, and I've had to work through them, still working through some of them, finding freedom. Friends, I I came to bring hope to your home today that it is for freedom that Christ wants to set you free from the yoke of slavery that has been on you. He wants to remove it miraculously today. He wants to remove it so that it is a sin no more. Galatians 3 says, you have been redeemed from the curse. What curse? All of the junk that's been in your family's history, just because your grandparents went through a divorce and your parents went through a divorce, doesn't mean you have to go through a divorce and it doesn't mean your kids have to go through a divorce. It can stop with you and it can stop with me. He's come to set us Free Galatians 4 says, but when he set the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption and sonship because you are his sons. God then sent his spirit of his son into your heart so that we can call out Abba, Father, Daddy, God. So you are no longer a slave. Galatians 4, 7 says, but you are God's child, and since you are his child, God has also made you an heir with Jesus. Here's what that means. Here's all that that means. God adopted you when you believed in what Jesus did at the cross and gave your life to him, and God's adoption of us makes us recipients of a new family heritage. You have a new family line. The yoke of slavery that was on you, God says, I want to remove from you. And you don't have to live with those iniquities, those bents towards certain sins, those certain patterns of living that are unholy, ungodly, to where you're always angry and mad and upset and you lose temper and you can't control your tongue and it's abusive all the time and it's neglective and you're passive aggressive and you're always insecure. All of those things can be straightened by the Spirit of God. All of those pictures that you've got of God that are distorted because of your family upbringing that you saw modeled before you, all of those things God says, I want to redeem and remove and set you free and bring you into my family instead. So that we are sons and daughters of God, set free by the Spirit of God. That's good news for you and me. He gave us a path forward, a path that doesn't require a yoke of slavery in our lives. What does that mean? What do we do? How do we, how do we move down that path? We repent. We renounce it. And we start to live free. We give it to him and we don't pick it back up. When you start to live out that way, all of a sudden you recognize, no, 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 I don't need to go that way. I don't have to be an old mean cuss. I can be a kind, tender, slow to anger person because that's who God made me to be. I can live with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control because it's what the Spirit of God has put inside of me. I'm I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I don't have to be yoked to the wrong things anymore. 
God wants to remove those burdens and remove those yokes. He wants to remove those generational things that have been holding you back. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. God wants you to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. No, no, no. Don't use your freedom to sin and sin as much as you want and then just repent and get away with it. No, no, no. Why would you want to live a life of sin? You've already been transformed and changed. Just keep the path moving forward towards freedom. Just keep moving and walking. Keep stepping. Keep stepping with the Spirit down the path. So use your freedom not to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. Make a decision that from here on out in your family, you not only are going to repent and renounce those curses and say, God, this was it. I repent. But, but I'm asking, Lord, that you would remove that from my life. And I'm breaking the agreement with that, that generational thing. Just because it's always been like that, doesn't mean it has to be like that anymore. I heard one pastor say it like this. Jesus may live in your heart, but grandpa still lives in your bones. But he came to set you free. You can start anew today. And he says, walk this direction. Your past doesn't have to be repeated. You don't have to be the one that perpetuates the brokenness that perpetuates the sin, that perpetuates the insecurity, that perpetuates the vulgarities, that perpetuates the addictions. You can be set free. You can be set free. You can be set free. Friends, this is, this is what I want us to begin doing. Let's just start today. If we're gonna start with the reality of where we are, so that when we move towards the ideal that God has for us, let's just start where we're at. Let, let's start with something simple this week. Here's, here's what I challenge all of us to do, is to begin praying a blessing over our homes instead of praying curses over our homes. Here, here's what I mean, and I'm, I want to get real, real specific. Here's the blessing. Number six, verse 24 and 27. We just sang it a little bit ago in our worship time, but here's where it's found in Scripture. Number six, 24 and 27, through 27 says this. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name, God says, on the Israelites. God's going to put his name on the Hunt household. God's going to put his name on your household. You had a family name that meant this, this, and this, but God says, I've got a better, I got another name for you. His name. And I will bless them. As you put your kids to bed this week, pray this prayer over them. Before you leave for work or you turn over at night in your room with your spouse, pray this prayer over each other. That's gonna feel weird. Yeah, well, quit living in a curse and start living in some blessing. Do something different. If you want the same thing that you've always had, keep doing the same thing. But if you're ready to have some hope in your home, why don't you take a step this week? I don't, I don't have anybody. I'm, I live by myself. On the way to work, on the way to school, Lord, would you bless me and keep me? Just pull it up, read it. Read it to yourself. Say it out loud. Pray it out loud. Let's start putting the blessing on our families 
instead of keep repeating, well, that's just who we are. This is all that we've ever been. This is all that we'll do. This is all that we'd ever will be. We'll never amount to this. This We'll always be this poor. We'll always be this uneducated. We're always gonna deal with this thing. No, let's stop putting the curse on ourselves and let's start putting the blessing of God on our houses and on our households. We're just stressed all the time. We'll quit. Put the blessing on it instead. Let the peace of God show up again in your home. There is hope for your home, friends. And it starts when you recognize that Jesus has cleared a path, a path of salvation, a path of freedom. And he says, would you keep stepping in this direction? Would you walk down this path with me? Today, as we've been talking, some of you have begun to realize you've got some pictures and there's some family patterns of history and you know it's very real in your life but a year ago we started having a connect group a special group an equip group to equip you to begin walking in freedom to help you deal with your past so that you can move forward into the future that God has for you it's called a freedom group now the group's almost over for this semester we have another group that's going to be starting in the new year and today if this message is resounding in you I want you to take a step today and RSVP to be a part of that group in the new year let's deal once and for all with our past so that we can move forward in our freedoms let's deal with the let's let's be bury the pride put it aside and recognize if Christ wants to set me free I want to walk in that freedom I want to walk in that. I don't want to be bound. I don't want to live in the same pattern. I don't want to live with the same bent anymore. I want to be set free. All you need to do is pull out your phone, text the keyword freedom, F-R-E-E-D-O-M, freedom, to the number 620-604-9280. And you'll text that to the keyword, that keyword freedom, to our text line. And as you text it in, We'll, we'll follow up with you and send you some information between now and then and help you RSVP and take that next, that next step. Some of you today, you know, you just need to pray with somebody. This is, this is a heavy thing for you. It has brought up all sorts of things. If you're online, you can just ask for prayer right here, right now. We have people ready to pray with you online. If you're here in the room, as soon as we dismiss in just a minute after we take communion, we'll have a team of people at the prayer spot to my left, your right. They're there every week to pray with you about anything. But maybe there's some things that you need to, to get prayer for. They'll be there in just a minute. And you need to take a step and go get prayer. But all of us this week can begin putting the blessing on our family. And we can pray this prayer over our family and over our children every day this week. Let's grab our communion elements and take a moment. And as we get ready to take communion, the bread, which represents his body, the juice, which represents his blood, this, this finished work, what he did at the cross, this was his payment in full for our sins. Before we take it, I, I want to read this scripture to you. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life 
through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Here's what I want you to think about as we take communion. We're we're, we're reminding ourselves that Christ is in us. This represents his body, his blood. We take it. It goes in us to remind us that he's in us. Here's what I want you to know. The power you need to overcome the past that you see is already in you through Christ. Would you close your eyes as we get ready to take this? The power you need to overcome the past you still see has already been given to you in Christ through his body and through his blood. Let's take the bread and let's eat together. And now the juice. Father, today, Lord, you're speaking to us. Each of us have a different context, a different starting point. We're all in a different reality in our home. But Lord, there is hope for our home. His name is Jesus. And this hope begins when we walk in step, when we walk the path of freedom that you've laid out for us. Not having to be yoked and linked to our heritage, not linked to things of the past, not linked to generational sins, not linked to our own sins, not linked to any of those wrong misconceptions of you. But rather, it's your love, your grace, your mercy that you saved us, you've redeemed us. So Lord, today, as we come to this ending moment, Lord, I pray a blessing over your people, that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that the Lord would make his face shine on you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would turn his face towards you and give you peace, that he would put his name on us, would bless us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, don't miss a week of this collection. Go back and listen to this one again. If you need prayer, in the chat, we're ready to pray with you. If you're in the room and you want some prayer, our team is available to pray with you, encourage you, love on you. Guys, we love you. Have an amazing week. You guys are dismissed today. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're 
If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.